Right. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. As we continue this study through the book of Ephesians, God's timing is really perfect because it just so happens that today is Father's Day and the passage, the four verses that we're going to look at this morning is all about um, fathers and children. So um, good timing. I didn't really plan it out that way, but uh, it was a good thing. And by the way, happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul has been dealing with various relationships and how they are affected um, by the life in the Spirit, life of being led in the Spirit. And now he comes into this, the most intimate of the family relationships in a lot of ways, this parental relationship. Now, Maybe for many of you, I know for me, Father's Day has kind of, it's a mixed bag because on the one hand, there isn't anything that's more of a blessing to me, uh, anything more important to me in my life than having the opportunity to have that role of being a father. And I, and I have nothing but good to say about what it is to be a dad. On the other hand, as I look back and I think about my own father and relationship that I had with him, it's, it's with regret and sadness and, and have a lot of bad feelings about some of what it was like to grow up. And maybe for some of you, that's the way your life is too. The passage here deals with looking back, and it also deals with looking forward. And I think that God has something for each of us, regardless of what kind of parents you had or what your upbringing was like. I, I know many of you just had wonderful parents who were great examples, and you've carried that on, and that's the way God certainly wants it to be. But I also want you to know that no matter what it is that you've experienced, it's not too late for you to begin to experience that which God has for us as families and what He wants for us. And His Word is always encouraging in that way. We all had parents, certainly, and, and uh, many of us have, have children, have offspring. And there are others who, though they don't have children, they, they can help play that role in the lives of, of others who, who need mentors, who need role models. There's certainly no shortage of people who can use father figures in their lives. And so I hope that there's something in these verses for each of us, certainly, Let's begin with verse 1. He says, children, and by the way, that word for children doesn't just refer to young children or minors. Um, it's referring literally to anyone who is an offspring of someone else. So it's talking to everyone here. Paul uses the term a lot, talking about us being children of God. He uses it to refer to Timothy as, as his son in the faith and so on. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, this is a verse that is a favorite verse of parents when they want to force their kids to do what they want them to do. It's a verse that most people think they can't wait to outgrow it because they think that it says, children who are living under their parents' roof, obey your parents in the Lord. But it really doesn't say that. The word there for obey is an interesting 
word. It's, it's the word for, for listen or to hear what someone has to say. And it has the prefix on it that means under. And so under listen. What it's really saying is really listen to your parents. Don't just listen on the surface to what they have to say, but get beneath the surface of exactly what it is that they're trying to say and what they wish they had said and what, what they should have said. In, in a real in-depth way, pay attention to what your parents have to say. Of course, the implication behind that is, of course, you have that relationship with your parents whereby when they're talking to you, when they're suggesting things to you, when they're telling you what to do, yes, to obey that is good, but this is much more than that. It's really emphasizing listening to your parents and hearing what they have to say, um, regardless of what, what age you are. Now, it does say, obey your parents in the Lord. And ultimately, the voice that we obey, the voice that we want to hear is the voice of the Lord. And if anyone says anything to us that's contrary to the voice of the Lord, then we are to consider that and to categorize it in the realm of something that we are not to do. We always need to be listening to the Lord and hearing from the Lord. And what Paul is emphasizing here is often listening to your parents is an opportunity for you to hear from God, for you to hear from the Lord as you are hearing the heart of what your parents are trying to communicate. And he says, this is right. And then he goes on and reminds them of the promise that's there with the commandment in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. To honor your father and mother. That word honor means to evaluate and to place a value on what they have contributed to you and what they have done for you, to see what it is, the worth that they have brought into your life, and then to, to give them credit for what they have done. Now, this isn't, frankly, there are some parents who are more honorable than others, and this is not to generate some sort of honor, but to look carefully, look beneath the scenes. Hey, no one's parents were perfect, but what can you see that you received from them that's beneficial? Now, there may be some of you who just had horrendous home lives as you were growing up. So what does this say to you? Well, first of all, I would say, you know, is there anything beneficial that you received? In fact, I think sometimes the most honor, the most value that you can get from a parent is their bad examples. And if you had a parent who was horrible and you determined, I'm not going to be like that, I am going to do things differently, I'm going to break the pattern of, of abuse or neglect or whatever, and I'm going to treat my children differently, sometimes that's the greatest way you could ever honor a parent. I know that for me, I, I've made plenty of mistakes with my kids, but man, if my kids ever were to look at something that I did and say, you know, I don't ever want to do that to my kids, 
and they're better parents as a result of it, I will consider myself honored. I will appreciate that. And so it's finding the worth and passing that worth on. Also, for those of you who maybe didn't have parents who were that involved with you, weren't there other people who kind of filled that role? Paul was filling that role for Timothy and for other people. And perhaps there are other people in your life who played that parental role and and you can honor them and appreciate them. But ultimately, whatever our life was about, if we look back on what we experienced and then what we experienced makes us better and more effective as fathers, as adults, as participants in society, that's the best way that we can honor whatever it was that we've learned from whatever we've gone through. And the truth is, if you don't learn from the past, you'll repeat the mistakes of the past. And, and so as a result, life will be less beneficial and less joyful, and in many cases, life will even be shorter. But to live your life in an honorable way in the perspective of the examples that you've seen is certainly accompanied by this promise, you know, that he says that it'll be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So that's kind of some general looking back observations and some, some, some advice and some admonitions in terms of pay attention to what was valuable in your parents um, and honor that memory. Listen to your parents, no matter how old you are. When you have an opportunity, really listen and hear what it is that they're really saying. But now he goes into the fourth verse, and he addresses fathers in particular. And on this Father's Day, that's where I want to spend the majority of my time looking at this fourth verse because it's so important in this day and age when so often fathers aren't fulfilling the roles that they're called to fulfill. I believe that there isn't a higher calling anywhere than the call to be a father. And, and that's not just when your kids are small. It's not, okay, I'm going to get them through until they graduate from high school and then I'm off the hook. I'm talking about the role that we play as fathers to be the father of our children for the rest of their lives, for the rest of our lives at least. That's a a highly privileged role. And here in this verse, Paul doesn't do anything to glamorize the role, but just as he addresses it, we see how critical this job of being a dad is. And I don't want to just lay a big burden on the fathers today. I mean, it's Father's Day. I don't want you to go away feeling like, man, I'm such a lousy father. I want you to be encouraged and and appreciative of, of the opportunity that you have really to represent your heavenly father in the lives of those that God has given you to, to father over. He says, you fathers, and he begins with a negative admonition, do not provoke your children to wrath. Literally, it means don't get worked up passionate with them. Um, It's the idea of not getting mad with your kids, basically. Now, this is something that comes almost naturally to dads. 
Our kids have a way of doing things that can make us mad, that can frustrate us. But in the same way, dads have a way of doing things that can really frustrate their kids and really upset them. And that is not to be the normal dynamic of our father-son, father-daughter relationships. Now, there are several things that fathers can do to cause their kids to be exploding in anger. One of them is to be angry themselves. If dad, if you are an angry person, you are teaching your children that's the way to communicate. That's the way to express yourself. It's ironic, often I'll see parents who are screaming at their kids, telling their kids to stop screaming. It's like, no, you're showing them this is what we do. This is how we communicate. And if, if your kids, dads, if your kids have an anger problem, I'd suggest that looking in the mirror is a good place to start before you start evaluating your kids. Are you showing that kind of anger? But there are some other things that can make kids angry too. Um, for a father to be really detached or for a father to not even be there, when the kid feels the need for dad and dad's not there, or dad's not interested, or dad's too busy with something else, it frustrates a child. And they need to have that communication that's there, that closeness with the father. Another thing that'll make kids mad is when their father won't talk to them or explain things to them. Nothing frustrates a child more than for a dad to say, because I said so, that's why. You don't question your father. You just do what I tell you to do. When, when, a, when a child is, is growing in their cognitive abilities and trying to learn to reason, and, and they have a parent who won't reason with them, now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, a lot of times they'll just use that as an excuse or a delaying tactic or whatever. I don't care. Go with it. They, they're learning. They're developing, and, and, and they deserve explanation. Now, there are some times when there isn't time to give an explanation, but there's always time to come back later and to discuss it, to, to let your kids know what you're thinking, how you're coming to the conclusions that you're coming to. Yes, sometimes you have to do, insist on something that goes against their will, but they at least need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. They, they deserve that. Kids have a great sense of what's right and wrong and what's fair and not fair. And if you're doing things that are unfair, if you're doing things that are, that are just not right, they see that and it frustrates them. It angers them because they know they get in trouble when they do that. How come you're allowed to do it? When you are hard on your kids for doing the very things that you do, it's, it angers them, it provokes them to anger. And so, now, I'm not saying that every time one of your kids is angry, it's your fault, Dad. But what I'm saying is that's a good first place to start. That if your uh, anger is simply getting frustrated and not knowing exactly how to to work out whatever conflict is going on inside there. And dad has an opportunity to help untangle that and to relieve that pressure and to relieve that anger. Sometimes a father will provoke their children to anger by just expecting too much of them, 
Like constantly, it's never good enough. It's never, you know, you always need to do better. Holding a higher standard, like Jesus said, the Pharisees, that would, that would lay burdens on people that they themselves aren't, aren't willing to bear. When we do that, it makes kids upset. It makes them angry. So Paul says, that's like a big thing that gets in the way of a dad really doing what a dad's supposed to do. So start there and say, I don't want, I, I want to use my kid's boiling point as an indicator to me that maybe I need to change my strategy. Maybe I need to back up a step and, and try to deal with this a little better. Because again, it's not every time, but boy, dads have a way of bringing out anger in their kids. And, and it's best if we do that as little as possible. But now as we read on in the verse, the positive side of it more, he says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That word, bring them up, in the Greek is a word that, that takes the word that means to nourish. Um, it, it's a word that's often used to refer to a woman who's who's nursing their child. So it takes that word of nourishment, and then it uses the prefix ek, which means away from or out of. And what he's saying is fathers have a special, unique, and an almost a private opportunity to nourish their kids. There's, there are certain things that your kids need that dads, only you can give them. Not just when they're younger, for their whole life. I mean, pleasing their dad means a lot to them. Being encouraged by their dad and things like that. And that's nourishment. That's, that's food for a kid. And, and so that is something that he's saying, you have the opportunity, fathers, to do that. To bring them up or to nourish them individually or nourish them out to give each of them what they need to recognize the differences between your kids and 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 you're the one who's equipped to to give them the sustenance that they need to nourish them you know dads we never really got to nurse the kids but and it's not something frankly i missed but <laughs> but they're still looking for us to give them those nutrients, those elements, that, that ministry. And no one can do it for them the way that you can. You're uniquely qualified and capable to give them that. So bring them up or nourish them. But notice, he, said, he gives two different words here. He says, in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That word there for training the word is a normal word for education. Paideia is the word in the Greek. It's the idea of taking someone from the beginning, from the most rudimentary elements, and leading them to where they need to go. It's something that a good teacher does. It's something that a good coach does. You say, okay, here's where you are right now. Now, here's where you need to be. You don't say, now, go from there to there. Do it. You know? But you go, let me show you how. 
let me take you, let me hold on to the bicycle seat for you. Let me show you. And when you teach someone a sport, I mean, you teach them, first of all, what to wear and, and how to get ready and some of the basics of scoring and things like that. But then you teach them about balance. You teach them about their stance. You teach them about every movement that's in it. You drill them over and over on certain fundamentals until it starts to come together and it starts to click. And there's really nothing more rewarding than taking someone who can't do something at all and then training them, taking them through that process and seeing them excel, seeing them, seeing them do it better than you do. And that's kind of the idea here in this training. It's fathers, you are responsible to take your children and from whatever point and accept them right where they are and say, now here's what we do next. One step at a time, patiently leading them when they mess up, going, hey, let's do it again, you can do this, not getting frustrated with them, not letting them get too frustrated, but leading them along until you see them perform. Ultimately, the idea of this training is you fathers are preparing your kids for the day when you aren't there. You're preparing them to be able to do what they need to know how to do because you've been there with them. It's not doing it for them. It's believing in them enough and then being an example to them and breaking it down, which means that you can't start where you are. You have to start where they are and go back through the process of going, okay, what do I need to know one step at a time in order to lead this person who I love and help them to develop the skills necessary to live out life and to be successful in life. That's such a privilege. I'm amazed that more people don't understand what a blessing it is to teach or to coach or to mentor someone. It's such a, a high privilege to do that. And, and yet so often people shirk that responsibility and they don't want, they farm their kids out and let other people take that role, and, and they don't, now, you can't teach them everything, and I'm not saying, oh, you're their only teacher, but there are certain things that only you can teach, and as a father, that is a huge privilege and a great responsibility, and God gives you the chance to do that for your kids, so you're nourishing them, you're, you're feeding them individually, pulling them aside, and and having a special meal with them, if you will, in different ways. Then you're taking them and training them. You're going through the steps. You're going through the motions. You're helping them to become who they need to be in order to be effective in life. And then the last word that he says there, not just the training, but also the admonition of the Lord. The word admonition... It's nuthesia in the Greek. It's two words put together, as so many Greek words are. And nous is the word for mind. And theisia means to put something, to place it together. Basically, what this word admonition means is that you are teaching, fathers, you're teaching your kids how to think. In a sense, you're programming their mind. Not in a brainwashing sort of way, because they have to find their own individual 
expression of who they are, but at the same time, to a great extent, and especially when they're younger and they care so much about what you think, you have the opportunity to take them through the thought processes, to take the time with them, to help them to see how you've come to the conclusions that you've come to, and what you think about so many things, and how to think, and how to learn, and how to reason, and really to lay the groundwork in a lot of ways. When you get them as a baby, their mind is just a, you know, as they say, tabula rasa. It's just a blank slate. And you have the opportunity to prepare them to use that mind, to have it be sanctified and set apart. And chances are they're going to think a lot like you. And so you need to be a student. You need to be learning. Your kids' fathers need to see that you like to read and that you want to learn and that you like going to church and learning about the Lord and that you like talking about things like that and, and you're enjoying seeing that happen to them too and you're, and, you're, and you're leading them in the area of the mind. You're leading them in, their, in the way that they can process thought and, and fathers, you should be so grateful when you see your kids starting to think like you because it's like, that's confirmation. Yeah, you're teaching them how to think. Now, that ought to sober you as well because there are some things that you think that you can do better and you hope the kids can do better. But good, bad, or indifferent, fathers, you're teaching them how to think. So you're, you're nourishing them in a personal way. You, at the same time, are training them and coaching them and teaching them. And then, finally, you're meeting the minds, and you're, and you're teaching them how to think. You're helping them to program those processes that will then allow them to make decisions that hopefully will be good, beneficial, helpful. Now, that's a lot of a burden to put on dads. I mean, I'm, I'm laying it on you pretty thick, and you're going, oh boy. And even worse, some of you are maybe in a spot where you're raising kids alone, and there isn't a dad either who's cooperating and doing what they need to do, or maybe dad's even gone and out of the picture. We're all overwhelmed with this task, but the key of the whole thing is, as he says, the nurture or the training and the admonition of the Lord. And it's because we have the Lord that we can face the task of being a father. It's because we have the Lord that we can confidently move forward into the future and raise our kids and help them and, and turn them over to life and be there for them as long as God allows us to be there for them. We, we want to parent them in such a way that they always want us to be there, that they don't go, get out of my way, I'm done with you. But if we play our cards right, probably a bad metaphor, but if, we, if we're doing what God says, then there's that fellowship with them where there's a, an appreciation of the fact that I know that God leads my dad. I know my dad listens to God. And, and I come to respect that and, and look to that and desire that for my own life. Now, hey, sometimes your kids will turn away from that, but ultimately they'll come back if you've given them that opportunity unless they just choose to reject God and God gives them the freedom to do that as well. 
Now, again, it's an, being a father is an overwhelming task. And, and already, if you're a dad and it's like, come on, Father's Day, it would be nice if you'd just tell us, woohoo, your father's, you know, going, you know, the kids will put your slippers on you and enjoy the rest of your life. But the fact that we have the Lord makes this possible. Now, there are people who have tried to simplify child rearing, have tried to make it a very simple mechanical task. And I run into people almost every day who've been caught up in some of this programming your kids kind of a thing. There was, a, there was a, an approach that was popularized by some people called the Ezos. It was called Growing Kids God's Way and Trips and other people are doing it today. And, and the idea was that if you do just right with your kids and you program them and you make them respectful and you form their behavior, then you know, they're going to end up being wonderful. And frankly, it's anything but growing kids God's way. The, the approach that they advocate to kids, they always emphasize it's always you know, being consistent. And it's always, you know, they, they talk about you know, when a kid is in the high chair and if they're crying when you're trying to feed them, that that's rebellion and you need to chastise them and all this stuff. That's not God's way. It, tell me this, does God raise you that way? He's your father. Is he always consistent with you? Every time you're bad, does he punish you? The truth is raising kids is way more complicated than that system. Where that system came from, by the way, it didn't come from God's word at all. They're, they find a few proof texts in order to, to, to build the, the system up. But in reality, and it's typical of Christianity, when Christians are trying to be really hip, they go back about 50 years, and, and then they think they've discovered something that's of God. Um, there's something, there's a science called behaviorism. It was the predominant psychology, I'll try not to bore you with too much of this, but if you're a parent, you might find this interesting. Um, the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century, behaviorism was the thing. And that's precisely what this approach to child rearing is. It's like training animals, it's behaviorism. And they'll say they're trying to get to the child's heart, but basically it's the idea that you control their behavior and that's going to control who they become. And if you raise them consistently, they'll all be alike and they'll all act the way that you want them to act and someday they'll thank you for taking their childhood away from them. And <laughs> again, this was the, you know, Pavlov was the father of behaviorism in a lot of ways. You remember his experiments with, you know, stimulus and response and all that kind of stuff. B.F. Skinner was the predominant advocate of it in, in the 20th century. And it, it caught on for a while. But something happened, well, the cognitive revolution hit, which is, was when people began to discover how complicated thinking is. And people began to appreciate cognition when they tried to create artificial intelligence. And they realized how incredibly complicated our brain is. And behaviorism, that there are so many different factors that behaviorism can't possibly determine what someone is going to be like because of free will, because of the complex nature of, of our mental capacities. and Well, just what the Bible said. And and so 
Today, to go back to the 50s, to buy into a bankrupt system that doesn't work, that oversimplifies an understanding of people, is not God's way at all. God's way is treat your kids the way God treats you, for one thing. God's way is, well, you know, over in Proverbs 22, 6, where it says, train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. If you read that in the Hebrew, and you don't need to, I'll read it to you, but it says, train up a child in his way, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. The idea is every person is different. Every person has a different path, and if you have more than one kid, you discovered this. You can't treat them all alike. What works with one kid may not work with another kid. What works with one kid today may not work with that kid tomorrow. It's incredibly complicated in order to be a parent and to raise children. And that's what the Bible suggests. And that's reflected here in verse 4. As you see this aspect of of individual nourishment, you see the, the training taking them from where they are to where they should be. You see the cognitive level of dealing with them in their minds and everything. Whoa, it's so complex. But that's reality. That's how fearfully and wonderfully your kids are made. I remember when people tried to tell me, no, you just spank them until you break their will. And, you know, that was easy with our younger son. He was, he was probably just smart enough. He'd just roll over right away. It's like, okay, I'm done. But, but William was stronger, and, and I, I couldn't spank him enough to break him. And I would take him into his room, and I would sit against his door, and he would be hitting me and punching me and saying mean things to me, and I'd pull him onto my lap, and I'd be crying, I'd be praying for him, I'd be telling him I love him, and I would finally hold him in a bear hug, and he's struggling until he fell asleep. And it's like... Where have I failed? What do I do? I, I know the systems. I read the books. I thought this would work. But God's word has always said, no, man, these kids are complicated. People are complex. We're all different. Each one of us unique. And that's why training them in the Lord is so important because you need the Holy Spirit to show you what to do every step of the way, each time. Sometimes what... I mean, think about it. The Bible tells us it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. How do you apply that to parenting? That sometimes they need to repent, so you need to be nice to them? Sometimes grace is what turns someone around and inspires them? Yeah, sometimes. But if you're not listening to the Lord, you're going to give them cake at the wrong time and spank them at the wrong time. You have to listen to God because each situation is unique, and each child is unique. But you know what, dads? You have an awesome privilege for the rest of your life when God has given kids to you that you get to listen to the Holy Spirit and you figure out how to minister in this complex world to these complex kids in a complex way the Holy Spirit knows exactly what they need. And so you're not alone. This is true of moms too. You're not alone. You have the Lord. It's all, notice how many times he says, in the Lord. It's 
That's what it's about. And you can do this if you listen to him. But there isn't any book or any system or any approach or any pattern or somebody else's. Nobody can tell you how to do this. You're working without a net, but you're working with the Holy Spirit. And he is challenging fathers to take the role that God has given them and hear from God and then ask God to help you to be everything that your kids need. To be able to to know in each situation what God is leading you to do. That is how God deals with us. And that's how he calls us to deal with each other as well. And again, true of dads, true of moms, and it's true of anyone who has an opportunity to be of influence over somebody else. There are people all around you who need someone to play that role for them. There are people who are younger than you are who you can mentor and make a difference in their lives. Paul didn't have any kids that we know of biologically, but Paul saw himself as a father to a lot of people because he seemed to be drawn to people who needed somebody to be their dad. And he took that role, and he appreciated that role. And, and, and you can do that too if you listen to the Lord, if you will hear from him and allow the Spirit to lead and guide you, you can make all the difference in the world. You can be a treasure and a blessing in other people's lives. Those precious kids that you, that you loved so much when they were little and cute, you still love them, and they still need you. And even if right now they won't talk to you, you need to ask God to show you how you can get back involved in their lives, how you can open those doors again. There's nothing more important. There are a lot of people who, who, who have destroyed their relationship with their kids because they thought they were doing what you're supposed to do as a parent. Tough love. They read a book, and now they're like alienated from their own kids. And that's not what you want. That's not, that's not how, to, how to be a father. That's not what it's all about. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to be alienated at one time or another, but we need to ask God to help us to work our way back to where we have this great privilege of fulfilling this role in the lives of those that God has given to us. Dads, don't feel helpless. You have God. If you're walking with him, he will lead you and guide you, and, and you will be an absolute pivotal treasure in the life of your kids. Take that role, take that responsibility, but listen to him and let him lead and guide you. If you're a grandparent, you've figured a lot of this stuff out, but now here you have these little kids and, and they want free babysitting, and you have an opportunity with these kids to mold and shape and feed and nourish them and bless them, and you're a lot better at it now than you were before, and it's an opportunity, it's a blessing. And to all of you, happy Father's Day. This is a great privilege that you have. For all of us, ultimately what it comes down to is, you know what, we can all celebrate because we all have the perfect heavenly Father who loves us, who leads us, who guides us every step of the way. He is our everything. And he wants to dole out some of that. He wants to share that. He wants to give us opportunities to play that role in the lives of others. Welcome the opportunity. 
but realize you can't do it on your own. You've got to have God. You've got to have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. Let's pray. Lord, you're the perfect father. We're sorry for all the times we missed that and therefore missed lessons that we could have learned that would have made us better at at what you've called us to be. But God, I thank you that with you, every day is new mercy. Every day is a fresh start. Lord, there are people here today maybe are so alienated from their kids. Maybe it wasn't any of their fault, but maybe they just got the wrong information and things weren't really bad. As long as there's life, there's hope. And God, I just pray that you would help each of us to find our way back into that special relationship that you've given us, that special opportunity to, to father anyone that you, you lead in front of our path. And certainly those kids that come from our, come from our genetic makeup. And Lord, thank you for the privilege of letting us be little gods, little heavenly fathers. We can't do it without your spirit just controlling and filling us and leading us. So God, for all the dads who are here and for all those here who will be dads someday, God, I pray just a special sensitivity to your spirit. Help us to listen and to be in the right place at the right time, say the right things, do the right things so that, so that we can be there to make a difference. Thank you for those dads who did that for us. Thank you for those men who have gone out of their way to reach out to us and to make a difference for us. Lord, I pray for the people here who have been short on that kind of influence, but I pray that as a result, they would come to discover more and more the beauty of having you as their father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have of participating in that which you want to do in the lives of those that you love so much that you sent your son to die for them. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.